You are listening to The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 92. In the best case scenario, right, it would be taking teams of women and hopefully through a four-week series, but what we know in coaching specifically is the longer that you're in the process, the stickier the results, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so a longer process would be beneficial, but at least starting to get, bring women together I think hope plays in here a lot. We saw that with our coaching clients this spring that came through the group program. You know, that idea that they sat with a group of women, heard the same things, broke some of the isolation they were feeling and gave them hope and motivation towards reaching bigger goals. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello. Welcome to the Star Coach Show. This is your host, Meg Rinchler. And as always, I want to thank you for joining us. I hope you're handling the heat of the summer well and ready to dive into another episode where we explore strategies, tools, and resources for professional coaches. Now, this week, we are going to take a look at how we can use coaching to put a spotlight on and potentially offer services, or bring attention to social change. Now, as we've discussed many times on this show, the field of coaching attracts people from varied backgrounds, cultures, experiences. We're a global organization. And with that, I believe carries very diversified views about different social change issues that may need attention. This week, our guest is Kelly Russell DeVarney. And Kelly has come to the show to do a dive into something that she's very passionate about. And that is addressing gender parity in technological organizations through her coaching. And what this has done is allowed Kelly to think through the issue, do some research and some exploration into what the female population within these tech environments, what they need, and how she can deliver services to meet those needs. So we're going to be looking at a couple different angles in today's interview, including how Kelly partnered with another coach to be able to bring these services forward. So we do a little bit of a dive into if you choose to work with another coach, what are some of the things you might want to think about? And then as you develop programs to serve different populations, what are some of the things you might want to think about there? So it's a powerful interview. Kelly put so much information on the table for us to explore. 
I think you're going to get so much from this interview. Now, let me first introduce you a little bit to Kelly. Kelly is a certified positive psychology coach and an ACC credentialed member of the International Coach Federation. She holds an MA in sociology with a focus on technology, globalization, and gender. And Kelly's training and educational background really allow her to notice both those self-imposed and societal barriers that can get in the way of her clients creating the kind of success they desire. Kelly's passions are developmental and goal-oriented coaching, and she coaches managers, executives, business owners, and as we talked about, women in tech. Kelly is the immediate past president of the Austin chapter of the ICF, and she's certified in EQI 2.0. Kelly shares, as I said, so much great information that I encourage you to listen and kind of look through the lens of what can you learn from this interview that you can apply to whatever you are most inspired and motivated by as you think about how you could use your coaching to impact societal change. Well, good morning, Kelly. Welcome to the Star Coach Show. Good morning, Meg. It's great to see you and be with you. It is wonderful to be with you. Kelly is such an incredibly special person to me. I don't know. When I first met Kelly, I just felt an instant bond. At the time we met Kelly, we were on a plane. You want to share what was going on with that? We were coming back to the state of Texas that was under threat of hurricane from the Washington, D.C. ICF Converge Conference. But we didn't know each other. We didn't know each other at all. I am actually bummed that I didn't meet you at the beginning of Converge instead of when we were back on Texas land. But Kelly was just recently ended your stint as the ICF chapter president in Austin. This is true. Um, Kelly brings incredible things to the world of coaching. Kelly, what brought you into coaching? That's a great question, Meg. I went back to grad school in my 40s and I had stayed home for 14 years with two kids previous to grad school. And at the end of grad school, I had completely planned to go into a PhD program that I had been accepted into. And so it was January of that year. I had just completed grad school in December. I was standing having to make the decision to go towards this program, which was going to be, you know, a, a new chapter. And I strangely met with a peer that and had lunch with her. And she said to me, so what are you going to do with that PhD? What do you?" And I said, you know, education is a great way to really contribute to people's lives. And it was for me, and I'd love to go do that. And she said, huh, are there any, any other ways that you could get to that same outcome? And I said, well, what do you mean? I've already gone through the process and the application. And of course, she was a coach here at UT Austin. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, such a coaching question. And she was coach here at UT Austin. She said, What did you think? What would you think about professional coaching? And I said, Gosh, I never, I never considered it. But I have, you know, 90 days before I have to let the PhD program know whether I'm coming or not. So I have a lot of research to do. And so instead of turning towards the the PhD program, I deferred and yeah, entered into the world of coaching and started a training program. 
And the training program that you started, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I went into the positive psychology approach to coaching. And so my program was a virtual program and it was the School of Coaching Mastery. And what I just had to take a hard look at for myself was what did I feel like I really had in spades, which was I had a lot of great background in sociology and training and looking at systems and from the social perspective. But what I didn't have as much was an understanding or a clear understanding of what were those individual ways to advance progress. And so positive psychology seemed like it fit really well. Good. So you currently have a passion that is is driving not 100% of your practice, but you, you have a real focus around a particular social problem. Can you tell us a little bit about what's, what's your current passion? Yeah, coaching women in tech. It's funny, I've come to this a few times. So I was a woman in tech myself in my 20s, had several entry-level positions. My husband's in tech and you know we've spent just a lot of life there. And so when I went back to grad school, that was one of the small pieces of research I did. I wanted to look at what was gender, what was technology, you know, what what was happening there. And so I got to spend a little bit of time there, just looking at what's underneath and what did the research have to say. And so it's funny, here I am back in coaching and it's coming into play again, right? We're hearing more and more about it. You know, what about the deficits? You know, women have been trending down. I don't think most of us are aware of that. 1985 was the highest percentage of women working in tech. And we've been coming down off of that high ever since. And so what are we going to do to build those numbers in that field for from an economic standpoint, but also from a social standpoint? How do women contribute? Mm -hmm. So what specifically are you doing with your coaching to highlight this problem or spotlight maybe what's going on and what you might be, what we all might be able to do to counter this? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So I, you know, I took a long view and again, I've been out of grad school just a few years. And so had all of that background. I met a fabulous ICF coach last year in Poland and we two were at a conference and she was coaching women in tech. Her background was engineering and she's out in Seattle and Washington. Sharman Benu is her name. And we just started talking about the common things that we were seeing being lifted by women in tech specifically amongst our clients. And we really were seeing the same things that we were seeing when we were in tech. So we did a slight, a small questionnaire and survey online and the pockets that we knew. We got more than 200 women to respond. Yeah. And, the, and more than 50 of them left open comments, which were optional. So we get to read through those. I did a little bit of content analysis, looking for themes and such. And we thought, let's pilot something together. How would you reach more women besides the one-on-one method we're using currently and kind of low, lower some of the pricing structure so that more women could participate at one time? And so we decided to not only do group coaching, but to do it virtually. And therefore, you're being able to hit that below executive level that you were concerned that it might not, if all we're doing is offering the top tier coaching and women are not moving into that top tier or even moving into the industry, how are we necessarily creating the kind of impact that you're hoping to create? Yeah, for sure. Because you want women to have the option to say yes, you know, 10 years in to look at leadership or to look at management. And so if they're coming out of a technical base, which most of them are, 
giving them that coaching now gives them options later. It gives the organization more women's voices for certain. Yeah. And, and if you looked at the surveys and you compared it to the research that's out there, what women say by and large for reasons for leaving tech is that they have a lack of role model, a lack of mentors within their field, but they also feel very isolated. And so the idea that group coaching and bringing women together might facilitate some of that other unspoken need seemed like a win-win. And as you are rolling this forward, Kelly, is it the organization that's saying, yes, I want this group for, for the women in my organization? Or are the women themselves from different organizations saying, yes, I'll join this sort of group that is not specific to my organization? Yeah. So currently it's the latter. We're hoping it will become the former, but we needed to start somewhere. And it's interesting because the questionnaire that we sent, we asked those questions. We said, if you're looking to get professional development, do you want it in-house or do you want it outside of work? And there was a 50-50 split there. And then of course, what happens is for women specifically is it becomes time management. And so many of them said, like, I I need professional development, but I need it when I need it. Like I need it at noon or I need it at 7 p.m., but I don't, you know, necessarily need it to disrupt the rest of my life. And so we were going to hit that mark by giving it virtual, putting it at the noon hour. And really it was like 11 to 1 because we Mm -hmm. wanted to do all the way across the United States. So, you know, it's women... you know, I have to say it's kind of women's thinking in the sense that it's, you know, we started at 530 at night, you know, to 730 on the other coast and the idea of there's some flexibility in that for them. And so women did opt in. We put it back out to the same group of women that answered the survey and all types of women of all ages across all three time zones said yes. So when you move forward with this, you said you'd like to move into potentially getting organizations on board. How do you take what you've done and build on that to begin to increase awareness and hopefully impact at an organizational level moving forward? Yeah. Well, with both of us having worked in organizations and having a little bit of sociology background, at least, the idea is where is the organization, right? Are they way back at the beginning saying we haven't even started to address this issue? That's going to be a completely different conversation from some of the tech companies that are really trying to make a change here, that this is one more thing for them to come at solving the problem. In the best case scenario, right, it would be taking teams of women and hopefully through a four-week series, but what we know in coaching specifically is the longer that you're in the process, the stickier the results, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So a longer process would be beneficial, but at least starting to get bring women together I think hope plays in here a lot. We saw that with our coaching clients this spring that came through the Root Root program. You know, that idea that they sat with a group of women, heard the same things, broke some of the isolation they were feeling and gave them hope and motivation towards reaching bigger goals. Mm -hmm. So even at four weeks, we were seeing some of that factor in very quickly. So a four-week model would be great just as an introduction, I think, to women and to get women networked together. That was another thing that we saw that we couldn't have counted on, but was a byproduct of working in this methodology was that these women now are hanging together. So they formed friendships, they're online together, they're talking to each other, you know, after leaving the group, which is beneficial for everyone. Absolutely. One of the things that's so exciting about what you're doing is you're taking your background knowledge and your vision 
and using your coaching to help create this ripple of change. So if people who are listening have their particular, whether it might not be women in tech, it might be a different disparity or issue that they'd like to raise awareness or bring their coaching forward to be able to impact that. What's some advice you might have for them? Yeah, always start at, if it's possible, always start at the survey. And so whether that's, you know, whether it's 200 or less, it doesn't matter. It's that, it's that start to find out what you know, or what you think you know, verify what you think you know. Yeah, make sure you're not operating everything on assumption. Completely. Just Mm -hmm. good, good practice, right? So take some time to check that out. And then once you start to get get some sense of what it is that you're working towards going to the research always, um, gosh, if you're an ICF member, you know, we've got an ICF research portal available through our membership. And so just spending some time with the research, looking to see what does the research say? Is it confirming? Is it unknown? And then really using that evidence to go to the next step, which in my case usually is pilot because I want to learn while doing. And I think pilot is a great word to say to someone, that's what we're doing together, just to start getting your feet wet in it. And I think that that's social media now just gives us a great venue to reach people that are looking for those types of services. So I think those are great three-step prong point to walk into something like this. Absolutely. And you said, you know, you'd like to say we're doing this together. I think that that can be so empowering also for the participants. We're doing this pilot together to impact this particular issue together feeds right into the whole partnership of coaching. And we're not doing this to you. We're doing this together. And and how is this going to ripple effect through your life? Completely. I think that that was the same with our approach to coming up with a new method. And we're, we're doing two coaches per group. Mm-hmm. And so there are two ICF certified coaches on every call. I think that too, right, is a partnership, right? Mm-hmm. It's two, for both of us, we have our Processes are influenced by positive psychology, so we share that. Mm-hmm. But our training is different. Our backgrounds are different. Sharma did not grow up in the United States, so she brings that. There's a cultural component to it mm-hmm. so that women really see a good representation of a couple of different worlds or a couple of different philosophies. And I think that partnership is valuable to them as well. Can we dive into that partnership just a little bit more? Let's do that. Let's. So as you were creating this, And working with a partner coach, I think that that is a key element that many coaches would be interested in. How did you two sort of determine what this partnership was going to look like? And all the way through when you actually are in a group together, how you sort of handle that energy of and, and part, well, being able to be partners in the process. So I'm going to throw that big ball right. Yeah, let me see if I can break that down. I think that that's a, it's a great question. I, we've actually been reached out to by a number of coaches across the country and across the world to ask us similar questions. What are you doing here and how are you going at as a partner? Inevitably, Sharman and I took a very, very, very long 14-hour tour of Poland together that we didn't really know was going to be 14 hours. And we were in the backseat of a van and we had never met before. And so it kind of just, you know, you throws you together and they, you know, you ride 14 hours in a van, you are riding your emotions, you're riding hunger together, you're riding, you're riding, 
tired. Any number of needs, yes. Yeah, so there, there was a lot actually seen that day, right? Both of us kind of got to see the best and worst of ourselves publicly, if you will, over that course of time together. But we really had a respect for how we came at the coaching process and specifically the group of women that we were serving. So that, so that bonded us right away. Mm-hmm. We both tend to have a preference for analytical, that we actually work, both of us, I would say, work really hard at expanding the other side of that, right? Look at, you know, our vision, our self-care, all of those things. So we both kind of come built like that, if you will. And then that was at least 10 months of conversation from that moment that we met before we ever even thought about doing something together. So ongoing conversation about how are you as a coach? How are you as a business owner? Lots of those conversations that preceded it. So really understanding what are our values in alignment? Do we understand coaching to be the same thing? Do we define it the same way? What type of outcomes have our clients had? Lots of those conversations came first. And I think Sharman would always say on a regular basis, it was building a foundation of trust with one another that led to our ability to jump on a virtual call with a group of women that we don't know and really feel like we were going to balance the group out and that we had complete trust in one another. So it isn't pre-contrived. It's not this idea people will often say, do you have like this framework and you have to walk them through because that's not coaching. And we're like, no, it's it's coaching. We go through each participant, what, what's the goal you have for today? What's the outcome that you're looking to meet? And we really look to use our best coaching to support them. And so one of us usually has a lead question. Often the other will have a follow-up question, but it's really respect. There's still that respect for silence in the call. But I think that we brought those with us. So they didn't have to be framed out once we got on a call. So what do you see as some of the most positives for you as a coach going through this process with with a partner coach? What have been some of the things that have worked really, really well for you? Gosh, it's really energizing. So if you if you like partnerships and you like collaboration, and in this case, creation, right? So we're really doing innovation. You know, there's a lot of energy that gets stirred up from that, that you don't necessarily get on a one-on-one coaching basis. And so we get to share wins together. We get to do debriefs together. All of that ends up being a shared exploration. And so I think that's really, really powerful. I think it keeps us engaged. We also have our own businesses and our own sets of clients. And so this is just one of those areas that brings us both just enthusiasm. Um, so on flat weeks, these are the best, you know, some of the best things that we do together. And I think also that respect that there are moments that, you know, she or I will text each other and say, you know, could we have, can I have 15 minutes of coaching? <laughs> you know, are you on the, are you available and on the other end of the line? And gosh, what a gift that is. Right? Yes. You really have that at your fingertips and have somebody know you that well. And what about a lesson learned? Anything from the process that you have gone through and learned and, and would give as advice to potentially help others learn from a maybe a hiccup? I'm going to say it differently. I'm going to answer it differently than you asked. Okay, good. Okay. What I'm going to say is a real willingness to be vulnerable on the part of a coach, to go in with a good idea of what you know and the flexibility to change the model if what you're hearing back deems that that's the next right step. So I'll give you an instance of that. When we started the pilot, we had 
agreed with, you know, confidentiality agreements and we had a basic client intake form, all of that good due diligence for all of the clients or participants. And what we realized week two was, hey, if we're going to pilot this and really have a long-term vision of bringing into organizations, we actually need to ask if they'd be willing to do a weekly update session form, you know, to really report out like what happened from point A to point B or from meeting one to meeting two. So that was, you know, in the learning of it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's develop that. Let's sit down, put some time and develop that. Okay, we got that form in. And it was a four-week series. So you know, coming at, it wasn't the first series, but the second series ending and thinking, you know what, we really need a final report out that says where I was starting at point A, here's really where I ended up. And so we didn't know those things ahead of time. They were happening real time. And we actually came back to the group, as we had said previously, as partners and said, this is what we're thinking, you know, is this reasonable to ask of you in your weekly lives? to have this type of structure. And they said, absolutely, you know, we're all for it. But I think that that flexibility and thinking that you don't have to have it all figured out ahead of time and let it teach you, like be in the process and be willing to let it teach you what the next best step is. I absolutely love that. One of the things that I love about it is that it feeds into that whole concept of if you don't get it out there and begin to work with it and see how it lands on your clients and learn from one another, you don't have anything to tweak. So it's all just in your head. So that whole concept of beating the the need for perfectionism, get your best out there. Your clients are going to benefit from it. You're going to learn and tweak and grow. And each time it's going to be maybe a little bit different because you're applying what you've learned. But if you never get it out there, you you don't have anything to tweak. So it was a beautiful lesson in grad school research, right? It was that, I don't know if you can remember back to when you started, you know, through that grad research, but it's like when you're in grad research, you're like, how can I set this up so it goes my way? And there isn't any way to set this up. So the results go your way, right? And so really coming to that understanding that even failure right? Re- re- failure is valuable. Like we, we learn from that. There's something to know about that that wasn't known before. Right. But really embracing that idea that, you know, even when you're flunking out, like you're moving, that's progress. Right. You know what you don't know. Yeah. So that, well, you brought up again, grad school, and I know that your background is in sociology. How is your background lens, the sort of the, the way that you view the world because of your experiences and and your education, how does that impact the way you approach coaching? Yeah, it's funny. I I tend to think I was a sociologist at birth. I actually think I was born into the world that way because it's how I think I thought of the world as far back as I can remember, which was, huh, this is what I think about the world. Oh, this is what you think about how I think about the world, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's different. So that agency and structure right? And understanding that the two influence one another. And so if we just took this women in tech program, right? The idea that I think in polite conversation, we we would usually say, what's the problem with women in tech getting to management or the executive suite? We would say, well, women have competing roles and responsibilities. And at some point, motherhood affects that and they step out and they don't step back in. And those are very simple answers to a very complex problem. But what the research actually shows is women stay in an average of 12 years in STEM fields, and 50% of those women exit at year, around year 12, 
And then 50% of those women actually don't stay home. They go to work in other sectors. So nonprofit, government. So they're stepping out. And so inevitably, for somebody like me who looks at the social, when I'm working with women in tech, I need to really understand where they've been stepping. I need to understand how the structure has informed them as individuals to be at work. You know, and that that's an important component that I that I sometimes think is overlooked. We we talk a lot about as coaches, like it's the willingness of the individual to step up to the goal, but there are actual structural barriers mm-hmm. that prevent certain individuals from reaching their goals. And I think that the ability to acknowledge that and likewise challenge that is an important component of coaching. Which brings us back to the issue that you've brought up before, which is the importance of researching, the importance of understanding the big picture. What do we need to maybe dive deeper into to explore what's out there? What evidence is going to either support our hypothesis or tweak it for us? That there is, well, both of us we've discussed are sort of research junkies. But there, there's, so maybe we could sit here and say, but it's so powerful. And people who are listening say, whatever. But, <laughs> but I, I truly, I would challenge people to think outside of their particular perspective and just widen it a little bit and see what it adds to your coaching. Yeah. And I think that there's, you know, there's easier ways to do that. I just recently re- was reaching out to a friend of mine who is a coach, but also an organizational development, NOD, and they've been in that field for 30 years, which I haven't been, to ask some of the questions about this group coaching program. So what do you know about the stats about this? What do you know about the you know numbers about this? And they were able to give me some great resources and research and data. So even if you're not a hard driven like you and I looking for the academic papers to read ourselves, I think even that one step out, right? You know, go to some of the sources that you know that are widely available to those of us that are in professional coaching and start asking those questions. Hey, I know that you work in this and what are, you, what are your thoughts? What are you seeing? What does the data say? And collect it that way if that's easier for you. And that's such a rich part of coaching there. Uh, and we talk about repeatedly on this show that coaches come from so many different backgrounds and have such a plethora of experience. Tap into your fellow coaches, ask questions, get curious and explore different perspectives to to see what what that might do for your overall premise. Completely. Yeah, it's powerful, right? It is. It is powerful. And I just want to thank you for taking the time to explore how coaching can impact social issues. And when we choose to focus in and create a solid program that meets the needs of a particular population, be willing to continue to tweak that and grow that and extend it out. To me, that's just such a powerful way to use the coaching skills that you have, the the experience that you bring forward and impact, whether it's, you know, 10 women or 10,000 women, it's creating an impact. So thank you, Kelly, for all that you do. Thanks, Meg. I think it's every coach goes into this business for that, right? Impact. And so as long as we keep the eye on the ball, I think we're going to make good waves in this world. Absolutely. Thanks again. Thanks, Meg. So there you have it, some specific ideas on how you could go about creating clarity and developing and delivering 
programs to specific populations who may very much need what your coaching can bring to help impact and create change. I want to once again thank Kelly Russell DeVarney for joining the show this week and encourage all of you to visit starcoachshow.com for information about Kelly and to sign up for our ongoing book giveaway. We continue to have Journey as our featured book from author Cindy Henson, our guest in episode 81. If you're enjoying the show, I would very much appreciate a rate and review on the iTunes app. The more positive reviews we get, the more people come and visit the show. We continue to move towards episode 100, and I still have my goal that we are going to double our reviews on iTunes and continue to multiply our downloads. So if you know somebody who would benefit from listening to the show, forward the show on to them and invite them to become a Star Coach listener. So until the next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a wonderful week.